Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Optimal Health for Busy Entrepreneurs. I'm your host, Julian Hayes II, back at it again, another installment, here with another fascinating entrepreneur, another superhuman, looks like a hu- superhuman, he's certainly built like one. Uh, <laughs> he's an online health and fitness coach to busy professionals and executives. He's the author of the Busy Professionals Fitness Handbook, which is going to help you torch body fat, stock, uh, stack muscle mass, and level up your health in four hours per week without giving up on the foods that you love. That is music to my ears. So I am here with none other than Oliver Onwire. How's it going, man? Julian, it's great, man. I think that's the best intro I've ever received, man. So thank you very much. I really appreciate that. Awesome to hear. You know, I um, I read the bio and then I just kind of just make up something in my head. <laughs> You're good so at it, man. <laughs> so I'll, I'll take that. Awesome to hear, man. You know, it's... uh. You know, I know you a little bit, so this is pretty cool. I, I usually don't get to yeah. just interview friends. And so, um, but um, I guess let's start with, for the listeners out there, what's your origin story with, with fitness? Where did you fall in love with fitness? So I started out playing football, uh, also known as soccer to the US audience uh, over in the UK. And I was, uh, I was quite a good footballer when I was younger. So I was able to play at the center of excellence or academy level, which is kind of the most elite level that you can play in the UK. And I had my dreams on becoming a professional footballer. I got to 16, 17 years old and uh, it didn't actually happen for me. So I didn't get a a pro contract or or a scholarship as it was. So that was very disheartening for me, like a young guy who was active his whole life, loved football, loved playing, was competitive. Um, You know, there was kind of nothing thereafter right I kind of had to decide where to put all of this energy so um, I delved into kind of the gym space learning about muscle gain you could call it natural bodybuilding um, about nutrition uh, and really started to build up my own um, body through um, I think a lot of it was general insecurity right when I was a young skinny guy wanting to be bigger be stronger as as my peers so um, I kind of developed um, you know a big understanding of training and nutrition through making my own mistakes, um, traveled the world. I've been to um, Southeast Asia, New Zealand, Australia, whilst trying to manage my health and fitness, went into a corporate job um, as well as university. So I think I've done a, a fair few things that have kept me quite busy and engaged. And um, yeah, I, I've been able to stay fit and healthy throughout it. So um, now I run a business called The Worker Coach, which helps busy professionals and some execs, um, you know, get leaner, stronger and, you know, transform their, their energy levels and confidence. So um, that's where we are at the present day. Yeah. And a bit around my, my story. Yeah, you're quite the adventurer, you know, you're, you're staying lean, staying, staying strong, traveling the world, you know, that's, that's, ha- that's having your cake and, and eating it, right? <laughs> I, I like that. Yeah. I've never seen it like that, but I, I guess I am. Yeah. I kind of have this, uh, this bold mission to kind of travel and be healthy, be strong. And, and yeah, I think it's quite cool. Yeah. You, you know, a lot of times people tell themselves that if they have this one thing that they can't have the other, but I think you can have it all, maybe not at the same time, most likely, but you can, you can pretty much have everything that you want. So I like that you're, that you're doing this and speaking on insecurity, you know, I'm there with you. When I first started working out, I I give the story of yes, family was a big part. Yes. I I wanted to change my life, but really I was just hella insecure and I thought it would get me more girls. Now I found out that Usually, the bigger you get, I just kept getting compliments from dudes after a certain point. <laughs> yeah. And so I was okay. And so there was a certain size that 
made me much more attractive for women. And then after that, it was just more compliments from dudes and never for women. So I don't know if you went through that kind of stage where how big's too big and, and, and everything. Yeah, 100%, man. I think, um, yeah, there's kind of this misconception, right? The more muscles, the more girls, but it doesn't really work that way. There is like a point where you reach the law of diminishing returns. And, you know, if anything, you're then just getting guys come up to you, asking what supplements you're taking, whether you're taking steroids, all of this kind of stuff, right? So, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> uh, yeah, it works as a disadvantage, I think, sometimes. Yeah, and, you know, this is a great tie-in to one of the first things that you talked about in your book in terms of body fat. A lot of guys probably think that you need to be chiseled, shredded, like 7 8% body fat to be maximally attractive to the marketplace. And that's not really the case. And so you brought up something interesting in that book. And so let's talk about the ideal body fat percentage that you think. Yeah, for sure. So I had to include this because I think it's really important to address this point because a lot of people have this conception that you need to be, like you said, this six, 4% or whatever it is, single digit body fat percentage to be the most desirable, right? Um, and I kind of was like this in my early 20s. So I got super, super lean. And I remember how restricted I felt, right? I was, my libido dropped, which is kind of my sex drive. I was super obsessed with macro track in training, cardio, all of this kind of stuff, right? To get super super, super lean. And I wasn't doing it for anything. There wasn't a show. There wasn't any photo shoots going on. It was just for pure vanity, <laughs> or I don't know what it was for, but it was just for pure, you know, seeing what I could test my body. And don't get me wrong. It's great to test yourself to see how far you can push yourself. However, when it comes to sustenance, which I'm a big thing on, on my programs, longevity, having a body fat percentage that low is just not advantageous to your life. And I think that I found, uh, and I call this term the highest return on investment area, right? This is the body fat percentage. For men, that's between kind of 10 to 15% body fat, which I think is perfect. You can look great with your shirt off, you can go to the beach, um, but you can also enjoy that little bit of pizza, right? Or you can enjoy some drinks out with friends and you can have a balanced, fun life whilst being healthy. Um, so yeah, I found that that's usually the, the sweet spot for most people that want to live that kind of sociable, fun, dynamic life. And women was around 20 to 25, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah, so I'm 26 now. So yeah, kind of within my early 20s, I was very low okay. body fat percentage, yeah. Okay, and so, um, and so women, um, women's body fat percentage, that's what, is, uh, what do you think, 20, 25%? Is that- Yes, yeah, so, so slightly higher. Women always carry a little bit more fat on them, mm -hmm. but for women- sort of 20 to 25 percent as well so they don't want to be getting too shredded as well and i think for for mainly for girls i think they want to build their curves and be toned right and mm -hmm. i talk a lot about resistance training within my ebook as well and i think that's really important for women as well they should look to try and incorporate resistance training from you know a looks point of view but also from a health point of view as they get older if they get pregnant for bone density there's so many health benefits there to to exercise and, and not being too low body fat and too skinny if that makes sense yeah that that seven eight percent lifestyle six percent lifestyle oh man it was rough i did i flirted with physique training for a little bit and oh yeah eating asparagus so much like if people out there who eat a lot of asparagus you know that when you go use the bathroom you're like wow it smells like asparagus in this bathroom i'm not eating in here and so obviously <laughs> like your urine is literally yeah. coming back at you smelling like asparagus and yeah. and so i i just think that i was so and did like manipulating your sodium levels. And I didn't have a social life, not at all. Yeah. Like I couldn't even go hang out with, with, with friends because I had to worry about um, meal timing, having yeah. my meals at the right time. 
going to sleep so I can do my fasted cardio. And oh man, you know, hats off to people who do that. But for busy professionals, for entrepreneurs out there, it's it's feasible, but it's a lot of difficulty with everything else going on. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think you need to ask yourself, what kind of life do you want to live? I think that's the most important. It's like, what do you want from this? And it's the same as when you get a client or I get a client. The first thing you do is you set a goal on what you, where you're intending to go. And I think, you know, from that book by Stephen Covey, you know, begin with the end in mind, one of the seven habits. That's really important, right? So you want to begin with the end in mind. You don't want to be a bodybuilder. So you don't want to have this extreme lifestyle. What you want is to have that balance, right? And be able to build habits and systems that allow you to be fit, be healthy, but also do what you need to do, whether that be in your career, family life, dating life, whatever it is. Yeah. And speaking of goals, this is a great tie into as we start diving into the book even more is that you talked about KPIs. And so for listeners out there, who aren't familiar with KPIs or they're familiar with KPIs in business, but not necessarily with their fitness. Let's, what, what do you mean by KPIs? Sure. So I purposely put a chapter in called fitness KPIs because the term KPIs is very, you know, well-known within the corporate space, right? Or if you're an entrepreneur, you know what that is, right? It's your key performance indicators. And, you know, it kind of shocks me sometimes that these very successful professionals, successful entrepreneurs, they'll be tracking, you know, their sales, their commission, you know, their income, all of this kind of stuff, but they're not tracking the key health metrics, right? Things such as their body weight or, you know, how much protein they're consuming for, you know, their daily food intake or, you know, tracking in things like their workouts right um and there seems to be a big kind of um yeah like a bit of a dissonance between the two so i always try and you know remind people your fitness kpis are important track them like you would track your income or like you would track your sales um and there's lots of different you know smart ways you can do that now with smart devices through apps and things like that where you can get great data and this is kind of a big fan of what i do on my programs is make sure we've got data to work with so um yeah it's so important to track things like your body weight to track things like your sleep you can also track um you know how you're feeling as well i think self-assessment markers are important right so your mood Mm -hmm. your self-confidence and track that over time to see how you feel um, you know, there's the measurements around your body, things like that. So um, there are some key ones there that you, you guys can use that are listening to kind of help track. Um, and it's going to then give you that motivation for when you kind of improve, right? Because you're going to see that body weight goes down or you've lost a winch off, an inch off your waist, right? Or, or you've got 10% better sleep quality. And then you kind of gamify the fitness uh, game, right? And, and that feels good um, to kind of give it a bit of fun. So, yeah. Absolutely. And listeners know I love data. Like I love data. It's, it's, yeah probably obsessed with it but you know i like to i liked body confidence i like that you mentioned body confidence and i like that you mentioned hunger and i like that you mentioned energy those are three those are three key ones that a lot of times when you're at the very beginning of your fitness journey you're waiting for inches to fall off belly fat to get burned off but a lot of times the first key indicators that you're actually making progress is what I call the intangibles, the invisible influencers. So like you have a little more swagger to yourself and your hunger is a little more in control. Now you're not waking, you don't have all these weird blood sugar fluctuations and your energy is just better. And so I really love that you mentioned that. Thank you, man. Yeah, for sure. I think those kind of the self-assessment markers, like I said, are so important for sure. Mm -hmm. And so now let's go down to body composition and uh, let's, Let's, uh, let's, let's hear from you. You talked about weight loss and then just body composition. So let's explain that difference. 
the supermodel. Yeah. This, you showed it. You, you showed it. Just a. I guess a. I don't think she was a supermodel. Was she a super? Is that a supermodel? Um, I'm not. I didn't think she was a supermodel, but she okay. was just um, maybe like a fashion girl. Okay. Uh, one of those girls. Yeah. 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 So she she reminded me of like a fashion girl. So I, listeners know I, I was briefly in that world of modeling and and acting. I was a D-list actor. And like, I'm glad none of my acting stuff's out there in the world. You don't want to see it. <laughs> but, but yeah, that, that body type that you showed in the book is what most of the girls that was around during that time looked like. And then you showed on the other image is a girls that were predominantly into weight training, right? It was some twins. Yeah. 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 So, so let's talk about the difference between, I guess, those two girls that you were describing. For sure. So I think, um, you know, the mainstream view of kind of, you know, weight loss and what you see in all these tabloids and all these magazines is, you know, we want you to lose weight, right? Which makes sense. You're overweight. So we want to lose weight. And you're right, you want that scale to essentially go down. But what people miss is kind of, we don't want to be losing just weight, we want to be losing body fat, right? And we want to be gaining muscle, because, you know, muscle has so many health benefits when it comes to your overall life, from living longer to being able to not be injured, uh, the general self confidence posture and things like that. Um, and then body fat is the thing that we want to lose, because excess body fat is the thing that we don't really need an excess, right? Um, so, you know, instead of thinking, right, I need to lose weight and I need to cut calories, you need to look at your life holistically, right? And say, okay, how can I gain muscle? Well, that's done through weight training. That's done through resistance training. How can I lose fat? Well, I need to look at my diet. I need to look at those important macronutrients such as protein, fats, and carbs, making sure I'm getting the right amounts of each so then I can kind of transform my body in the, in the right way. Um, and it's very hard to see from somebody that's potentially new to fitness or new to um, the whole weight loss thing. Um, so I try to picture it to people in, in the simplest way and say, look, you need to look at everything. I want you to look at everything holistically and how it's like a puzzle, right? Once each bit fits into the puzzle, you're then going to have the full thing and, and everything makes sense. Yeah. So I guess how, how do you bring someone along that they're coming to you and they want to transform their body, but this idea of just weightlifting and really embracing weightlifting and not doing as much cardio. And, you know, that's people think that I go to the gym. When I go to the gym, the cardio machines are, are crowded. Sure. It's like, it's like a nightclub. <laughs> yeah. And the squat racks are empty. Yeah. It's, it's me and a few other bros. And a, a few broettes, I guess, is that what you would call a, a lady? Broettes, maybe, yeah. yeah I, I don't know. I just make that up. But yeah, but it's a few of us over there. And it's a lot of people at the cardio and they all want to transform their body. So how do you mentally help someone start to shift over? A hundred percent. So I think the first thing that I really do, the important thing is to talk about the benefits of why they're doing that, right? Because I can tell anybody, go and do 10, 10 sets of squats or however many sets of squats, but if I'm not telling them the benefit of why that's important or why it's, in, you know, there's no incentive there, right? So I think definitely framing for the client the importance of doing resistance training for overall health, right? And how it's going to help them achieve those long-term goals um, for looking more toned, if it's for girls, getting more curves or for a guy to get bigger shoulders to feel more dominant, more powerful, right? I talk about these benefits. To, so they go, okay, cool. This is something that I want and then it's very much about trying to introduce this in the most comfortable way possible so for some people that is doing classes right and going and doing a resistance class where there's lots of other people in there with them to help them out um, and for others it is just essentially saying to them you know what you may have to bite the bullet initially and just 
dive into the deep zone, right? Um, get someone who's there that can maybe support you for the session. But, you know, you find out that it's not actually that bad. And once you get to learn the exercises and you start to, again, gamify like the progress that you're making, it actually becomes really fun, man. And you start to feel stronger, right? You start to feel more competent and then you build the momentum. So um, I definitely think trying to introduce it softly through classes and in a group setting um, and then just kind of biting the bullet and going for it can be can be a really great way. Yeah. And let's now move on to training. And this is something that a lot of people probably um, have a wrong idea by, especially. So a lot of people think that, I guess they see me sometimes and they ask me what kind of training I'm doing. And I'm like, yeah, yeah I'm training for a marathon. I'm also strength training. So that's like two, two hours a day at minimum. A lot of times they're like, oh, I got to do all that to keep my body. In, in, in shape to really transform my body. And I'm like, no, you really don't have to do that. When I was first starting out, I literally lifted probably four to five days a week. And I didn't really do that much cardio. So this is totally yeah. different performance and aesthetics, body composition. Yeah. It's two totally different worlds. So let's talk about your approach when it comes to training. So what are some of the big pillars of training? Yeah, for sure. So I think you separated it well there. There's like aesthetics and there's performance. And, you know, if you're, you know, let's say a professional or an entrepreneur listen to this and you just want to essentially look good for the beach, right? Or you want to look good for your holiday or, or have more self-confidence, um, you know, within your relationships, you probably don't need to be training for performance unless you've got a performance-based goal, right? Mm -hmm. So firstly, you need to look at, again, what is the goal? Begin with the end in mind. Um, and, you know, make resistance training your foundation to begin with. Um, the reason being is because, again, that's going to help you build the muscle. And when you look at physiques from an aesthetic standpoint and you look at, um, you know, some of the great physiques, they all have muscle on them, right? The more muscle mass, kind of the more attractive, as it were, right? So, you know, the more muscle mass you can get on, the better that you're going to look. Secondly, it's going to improve those health markers that we spoke about, too. Um, so I would say starting with resistance training three to five days a week to help with kind of the muscle mass that can really help um, and just getting stronger, improving your posture, all of these kind of benefits. Then you just want to ensure your diet is dialed in, right? So depending on your goal to, is to build a lot of muscle or whether that's to predominantly lose the fat, that's where the diet comes in. And then cardio essentially is like the last bit of the puzzle, right? That's when you say, okay, I need to burn some extra calories. I'm going to do some cardio or, um, you know, you just incorporate it within kind of your daily activity, you know, whether that's going for 10 K steps per day or playing with your kids, something like that. Um, this is really the way you want to structure things and kind of the way you want to prioritize things. If your goal is aesthetics. Okay. And you, you, I think you included either five or six or maybe even more training programs in there in your book, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So literally there's a nutritional section for you to plug your numbers in and there's a training section for you to get your body right. So everything is covered inside this book. So we're not going to give that away. What we will do though, is when we talk about structuring a training, a, a typical workout for you or for one yep. of your clients, four hours per week, that means you got to be very efficient with your training. So what type That's of exercise, what type of exercises do you typically program for people? Yeah, for sure. So there's kind of two kind of types of exercises or main types. So there's compound movements. Now, these are the ones that train multiple muscle groups at once. Things such as squats, bench press, deadlifts, you know, your, your typical big three rows, overhead presses. These, you know, take a lot of energy, right? They use a lot of your muscle groups and, you know, it's the most efficient. If you're training, you know, 
a bench press, which works your chest, your triceps, your shoulders, um, your core as well. Let's not forget that when you're training. That's a, a lot of muscle groups trained within kind of one, one exercise. So you can get more done in less time. So if you've only got an hour uh, to train, if you can fit in four, three to four, maybe even five compound exercises in there, you can get a full body workout in, you know, three times a week. And you can make fantastic progress in, in less time because you're maximizing um, the efficiency of, of your training. So I always recommend focusing on compounds. Um, again, it's going to improve your posture, make you more powerful. Uh, that's not to say isolations, which are the second exercise can't be beneficial, uh, but those are kind of included towards the end of the workout when you've got less energy, you just need to do that extra little bit of work to target specific areas and just make sure you're doing enough work. If that makes sense. Yeah. It's like the polishing work. I, I, I always do. That's um, it. Yeah. I always do. Uh, what's it? Um, what's the thing? Lateral. I do, I do a lot of extra shoulder work, like lateral raises okay. and, and reverse and uh, rear delt raises um, yeah. toward, the end, toward the end of the workout. And then sure. uh, extra yeah. stuff, and then extra stuff for like women out there. That's maybe a, a another extra set or two with it, when it comes to glutes, most likely. So maybe like some yeah. um, some type of lateral walks or band walks or something like that. Band walks, yeah, or cable kickbacks. I mean, just mm -hmm. some kind of isolations that will really. These are kind of like the burner exercises, right? That burn out the muscle a little bit, um, and you, you really kind of feel the lactic acid. Yeah, those kind of isolations. And we briefly touched on nutrition. So now let's let's go into that real quick. And so you mentioned there's a hierarchy in nutrition. So yeah. when I'm thinking of a hierarchy in nutrition, am I going to start with going to GNC or a supplement store to get my supplement <laughs> regimen? <laughs> I mean, I, I hope not, unless you want to give them lots of money and waste a lot of your own. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, th this is another kind of one of the big mainstream issues at the minute is, you know, you see this super jacked, like super uh, fitness model guy showing a like a tub of protein right within the commercials or within the poster and you're like the first thing you see is man this guy's jacked and he's he's got the protein powder i need some of that right or mm -hmm. whatever else it is he's selling but you know sometimes it's actually the least important thing when it comes to your progress right um and a good you know format in which you can help understand this is the hierarchy of nutrition in which you prioritize the most important thing at the bottom the foundation to the least important at the top and guess what goes on the top? That thing called supplements, right? Um, because, you know, what the most important thing is first is things like your nutrition when it comes to your total calorie intake. That's the most important. Then you look at things such as your protein, carbs, and fats, which are your macronutrients. Like I said, they help with regulating your health, with body composition, building more muscle, um, all of that kind of stuff, and giving you energy. Then you look at things such as meal timing. So what time should you eat and when should you eat, which I've included within my ebook as well. We kind of run through um, everything on the hierarchy of nutrition throughout the ebook. And, um, you know, training, eating before and after training times, it is important as you start to get to that more advanced level and you look towards performance because um, you want to have energy for your workouts. You want to recover well. So as you move through um, training, you get more experience, these things become more and more important. But if you're just starting out, you know, nail the basics, nail the protein, nail the overall calories, get an understanding of that. Um, then once you're pretty you know, dialed in with that, look at things like supplements to aid an already good lifestyle. All right. Now we're going to do a very controversial topic. Now, <laughs> now we're going to do a very controversial topic. Let's do it. Carbohydrates. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I, I say that half jokingly because uh, a lot of the most popular diets right now are diets that exclude carbohydrates. Carbohydrates have gotten a very bad rep. And, and so um, it, it it almost feels like you're a part of the last of the dying breed if you <laughs> if you eat carbohydrates. So what's your opinion with carbohydrates? Where do you stand? 
Yeah. So I'm someone that really enjoys carbohydrates. Um, I like going out to eat pizza. I like having, you know, oats or like eating rice. So for me, cutting out carbohydrates, just it wouldn't work for my lifestyle. Um, and carbs get a bad name because, you know, when you overeat on carbs, you overeat on total calories. And usually what's included within these big carb-based meals is also a lot of fat. So when you couple mm-hmm. a lot of fat and a lot of carbs together, you're going to go over your calories and that's what causes you to gain weight. So it's not inherently carbs, which is the problem. You don't need to cut them out completely. They're needed for energy, but you need to portion them in the right amounts and also be consuming the right quality of carbohydrates too. So the carbohydrates that are going to keep you full throughout the course of the day. These are called complex carbohydrates. So, um, you know, these are things such as, you know, your brown um, you know, breads or grains, um, you know, things that just release slowly throughout your throughout the day. Um, and again, that's going to allow you to have energy, but not put on that extra weight. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, and I tell, I forgot the chart and where I saw it at, but actual sugar consumption just by itself, sugar consumption has been going down over yeah. the years. And like you, you hit the nail in the coffin there when you mentioned that the problem is a lot of the foods out there that people, that the typical person is eating is processed carbs and fat combined. That's it. That's the issue right there. And that's what, that's what typically gets the, um, that's what's missing the overall picture there. So um, I don't have a problem, you know, people out there, you know, keep doing keto and stuff. I don't have a problem with it. You know, all, (laughs) all types of diets work, you know, and Genetics is a big part of that. So I got love for all of them. I just don't like to see carbs get bashed. And a lot of times when people say cut out the sugar, there's different types of sugar as well. You know, sure. technically a sweet potato is a sugar. It's it's sugars. Yeah. There's sugars in it. So candy and sweet potatoes are different. So that's 100%. also but the world speaks in sound bites on various social platforms and on TV. The world is in sound bites. And there's a lot of nuance when it comes to nutrition. And yeah. So as you're meal planning and how do you like structure that? What do you recommend? Do you recommend, are you a fan of fasting or what, what type of fasting are, are you uh, yeah. a fan of? Yeah, for sure. So I think, again, it really comes to nuance with things like fasting and meal timing because, um, you know, let's take a scenario, right? So let's say you got a big, um, you know, jacked dude that's training in the morning. That's goal is to build more muscle. Um, he is going to have different meal timings to, you know, potentially a small lady who's not training in the morning. That's trying to lose fat. Um, you know, that is, you know, maybe training in the evening, right? That you've got two pe- different people in two different scenarios. So again, it comes down to bio-individuality. There's no one size fits all approach. However, generally speaking, if you're a professional or an entrepreneur that spends most of your day sat at a desk or you know, you're not doing much in the morning, then the taught intermittent fasting, which is essentially skipping breakfast can be a great tool especially if your goal is fat loss, because it's going to cut your total calories for the day. Um, It will actually allow you to focus in the morning, stay hydrated, drink lots of water, and then you can time your food for around training times, right? And your nutrition for around when you train later in the day and when you're typically moving more, right? So, you know, if you're sat at your desk from nine until five or longer, you're not burning any calories, like you're burning hardly any. So feeding yourself lots and lots of food during that time doesn't make sense. You want to be feeding that food towards when you're moving, when you're lifting, when, you know, you've got a lot of energy to do things. That's when you need to be eating. So um, that's why intermittent fasting can be great because it allows busy people to stay, stay within their diet. Um, And you really just need to fit food in when, when the most important times are in your life. So we've got 
fitting around your schedule, which is important, obviously, when you're working, things like that. Also, when you're training, that's super important, right? Pre and post-workout nutrition. So if you are to eat two meals a day, make sure that one meal is before you work out and that yeah. second meal is after you work out, right? Right. Um, it, it's, very, it's very simple when you look at things like that. But you need to remember your body has different energy ma- demands at different times of the day. And therefore, you need to use these approaches when it suits you for your situation, if that makes sense. Absolutely. And now let's move on to lifestyle. And this is one of the probably the biggest struggles that I've seen with high performers and busy professionals in general is the social aspect. Because maybe right now, the world is still a little bit in shutdown. So you're not having as many client dinners and networking events to where you're going out and eating. But still, there's still a lot of opportunities to socialize. And this is kind of where diets go off the rail. So what's your approach when it comes to alcohol and just a social life and and not being a robot yeah for sure so um i adopted a principle really when it comes to lifestyle called the 80 20 principle which is really important so um you would have heard this um before it's kind of the Pareto principle but you know 80 percent of the time you want to be on your health right you want to be doing those healthy things and having those healthy habits sleeping good eating good tracking your food uh, trying to get enough sleep all of that kind of stuff because we know that's good for you um but you know what sometimes when you live like that all the time you get this like restlessness right and i know i get it myself i get like overly stressed from being too robotic or having too much routine as it were and if you couple that with a very maybe stressful job and things like that you're going to be a discipline you know just obsessed person, right? It's going to be crazy. You're going to go, you're going to have a breakdown. So you need to have that time to release, you know, whether that's going and enjoying some wine or having some nice food, you need to be able um, to do that. So 20% of the time, that's kind of what you can do there in regards to to the principle. So it's just about portioning things out. Um, And then when it comes to alcohol, I I kind of have a specific alcohol protocol that I talk about in my book, um, which is kind of like six or seven steps, I believe, um, when it comes to, to alcohol, but essentially, you know, you utilizing things like intermittent fast in the morning can be great, making sure you're cutting your calories down a little bit, keeping that protein intake high during the time that, that you're going out, and then just being smart with your drink choice, right? So making sure that you're sticking to spirits with a diet soft drink, potentially, instead of a beer, right? So beers, I think are around 200 calories for one beer, at least, times that by 10, that's a lot of calories, um, compared to a single vodka and, um, you know, a, a diet soft drink which i think is around 50 calories so um yeah there's a there's a big difference there so when you add those things up the numbers you'll see that you can get away with enjoying a few more spirits than than beers and still staying lean plus maybe i'm a little biased here but i know after drinking a beer or two i i I just feel heavier right you just feel like agreed you can't you can't get off of, of gravity. Gravity is gravity is holding you down just a little more. Whereas when you drink a nice spirit, just a, a glass on on the rocks, you still feel fine. You still feel light and nimble, and yeah. that's one big thing for me. But also um, a, a key thing with alcohol, and you mentioned this, is protein and eating and being full beforehand. Because so, I think about sometimes when I would go out. I don't really do this now. Um, when I would go out. And just go out for a night on the town. And I didn't eat beforehand. That's disaster. Especially because people are going to realize once you really become consistently active week after week, you're training your metabolism to be healthier. And your appetite is going to be a little more robust, to say the least. And you're going to be able to put some food away. Yeah. And that's the danger when you combine these high-fat foods 
these high fat, high carb foods with alcohol. And next thing you know, you have your drinks, but you also just had what a thousand plus calories. Yeah. And your body is processing, getting rid of that alcohol while these calories are just hanging out there waiting in line. So it's pretty much like a traffic jam. Yeah, that's it. Yeah. And that's why protein is so important because it's satiating. It actually soaks up a lot of that, that alcohol. And you know, typically let's say you're going on a night out right, or you're going for, for dinner. What's going to happen is there's going to be food options that are not that high in protein. That's usually what happens. So, you know, you go all the way through the day and you go to a pizzeria, right? Or you go to a, a typical English pub, let's say here in the UK. And I can tell you there's hardly any protein in the foods that, that we have over here. So making sure you get that done earlier in the day and stack, stacking up on that. Number one, it helps for recovery. It helps from keeping you satiated. And thirdly, it's going to help you soak up that alcohol too. So in the evening, if you are drinking a few, then, you know, you, it, you don't end up on, on the pavement or anything like that. Absolutely. Yeah. So as we get ready to start winding this down, but let's go into your, your routine. So what's your training routine like these days? So my training routine uh, now is very much uh, like what I discussed in my ebook. So much of it is around resistance training between three to five days per week. Um, reason being, that's the most enjoyable type of training that I like doing. Uh, I, I kind of do a mix of bodybuilding and powerlifting, right? So this is a mix of kind of strength and hypertrophy muscle work. So um, we'll have some days where we'll focus on power, where we'll be doing you know, a very small amount of reps, uh, very you know powerful lifts, um, lots of sets and then other days we'll be doing more hypertrophy work which is kind of moderate intensity a moderate amount of sets and for me i really kind of enjoy that um i like to train my muscle groups two times a week as well and do generally shorter sessions and i discuss this in my ebook too when it comes to growing muscle and, and gaining more size you, you know there's something called muscle protein synthesis which is just a technical term for, for building muscle but this is only elevated for a certain amount of time so without getting too technical if you can train you know your muscle groups twice per week it's more effective for muscle building essentially um, from the research that we know so yeah kind of train muscle groups twice a week i do a lot of walking a lot of steps and things like that as predominantly i'm sat most of the time so i love going hiking uh when i go to visit new cities i'm always walking around and visiting um getting a lot of steps in so yeah that's kind of my training approach at the minute. Yeah, that was going to be one of my next questions is that, you know, you mentioned that you travel a lot. So how do you stay healthy while you're traveling? Yeah, so I definitely think steps is a big one. Steps, mm -hmm. making sure that you're walking a lot. Um, and I'd also say that just making your health a priority, right? So wherever you are, it doesn't matter what's going on you need to make your health a priority. And I think that for your audience here, this will be very useful because if you're traveling towards a conference or you're going somewhere where you're out of your usual routine, you need to make your health a non-negotiable still, you know, whether that is finding a hotel with a gym or ordering some meal prep from the, the city that you're in to get delivered to you, right? Or ensuring that you have a trainer that can help you through this busy time, right? Um, for me, I always make sure that I'm in a nice place or I'm staying in a place which has cooking facilities so I can cook my own food. I make sure I'm close to a gym, which is ideal um, to make sure that I can train. Um, and yeah, I just kind of make it a priority. And the more that you can set your environment as something that is healthy and conducive to good habits, the easier it will be for you. Um, and that doesn't matter where you are. You can do that anywhere in the world. Yeah. And one thing also that helped me when uh, during my extended stay in Portugal was I, I had the rule of no two bad meals in a row. And obviously mm. bad meals is going to mean different things to each of us. So you have to define what's a bad meal and what's not. For me, I really love the pastries there and the bread. Because for some reason, the bread there did not have the same effect that the bread did in the States. So I took advantage of that. 
And I ate a lot of sure. pastries, a lot of pastries, but I made sure to not have two bad meals in a row because I did. I do that mainly and recommend it is because a lot of times if you get too off course, you have a hard time getting back on those healthy habits that you installed. So, yeah, it's all, it's all about, um, you know, momentum, right. And, and the spirals that you go up and down on. Right. So if you have one bad meal, cut that's fine right get back onto good habits and good momentum and that upward spiral if you have a bad meal then you have another bad meal you go on this downward spiral and again all these habits go down you start to feel bad about yourself and you just can't be bothered to get back on so you're right i think that two meals uh don't eat two bad meals in a row is a great rule and so now let's do the random question um segment i don't have a good name for it yet um do it (laughs) so the first one is um what are two to three books that have had a major impact on your life Oh, wow. Okay, cool. So I kind of like to read quite broadly. So one of the big books that I've really enjoyed is um, Wolf of the Plains by Connor Golden. So this is the story of Genghis Khan, which is kind of a quadrilogy um, history novel. And it just explains the story of Genghis Khan coming up from kind of this poor, um, you know, kid rags to riches kind of story up into the greatest leader of all time. So you get an insight into kind of his mindset i think it is and his drive and for me as an entrepreneur i kind of like to to see that that that's like yeah so like a testosterone fueled book that gets me going so that's great <laughs> all right <laughs> um yeah i love that book um the second book that i think is really good is um the uh, man's search for meaning by victor frankel so that's a good book yeah have you read that one mm-hmm yeah, that's a fantastic book. So that talks about, um, you know, Victor, who was, you know, essentially in Auschwitz as one of the prisoners and his story, and essentially about finding meaning in suffering. I think that's a big message from it. So I think this pertains a lot to potentially what we've experienced with life, you know, with a pandemic, right? Not having control of our situation, but trying to make the best of it and understanding that not all things are bad and there's meaning to, you know, potentially the not so great stuff. It, it humbles you a little bit. So for me, that was a really good book. Um, and then the third book that I really found influential is um, The Alchemist. And mm-hmm. I know that's a popular book by it's Paul popular Coelho. Book. Very popular, yeah. And I think it's, he's Brazilian as well, right, Paul, Paul yes. Coelho? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, yeah. And for me, that's just an inspira- inspirational, optimistic story, right, of this young kid that has all these dreams and um, his love and his passion for life. And I, I feel that that reflects a lot of how I felt about my own life. I kind of feel that I'm very optimistic and um, I look at life in, in that way. So, yeah, I definitely say those three have been the most influential. Yeah, OK. I just had to make sure. Yeah, he's, he's Brazilian. I had to, I had to he check is, yeah. before just in case not. And then somebody's like, oh, he's not Brazilian. So I don't, you know, so <laughs> yeah, I, I just want to do a quick fact check. So the next thing is, um, what are maybe one to two lessons that um, from childhood and growing up that has ch- shaped you into who you are today? Yeah, for sure. So I think that um, I think that the, the most important one is that failure, failure is okay. Failure is okay as a young person. And um, I definitely witnessed this when I went through my football, um, you know, career as a, as a child, right? I had my heart set on being a footballer. I always thought this was going to be the thing. And, you know, having that dream crash down at a really young age was, was very disheartening. Um, but you've got to remember that you're still very young, right? And you still haven't matured and you're going to feel these emotions and you don't understand the world quite yet. And, you know, as you grow up, you're going to get a lot of L's potentially, right? And especially as an entrepreneur, you're going to get some some bad days, right? Um, but it's remembering that it's okay to, to kind of fail 
Um, and every day is a lesson, right? Every time that you fail, that you learn from it, right? And it's just another way to build your character, test your character and you know, to keep getting better. So for me, I think that that's been an important thing to learn, whether that's in the business space, in the sporting space, with your social life, your relationships. Um, it's really important to know that failure is not, not the worst thing in the world and, and that you have to accept it sometimes. Absolutely. And what does success mean to you? Success. Wow. That's a, that's a very hard question. Success to me is, you know, being free to do the things that I want and help the people that I want, you know, however I want, right. To me, to me, success is essentially freedom, right. I've never been a person that's been super motivated with, with kind of this, like, you know, the, the flashy cars, the flashy watches. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. There, there is some you know nice watches out there, right. And some nice cars. And, um, but if I had the choice, um, you know, I'd rather spend, five thousand pounds on a holiday than five thousand pounds you know on um a watch right for for me it's about adventure experience memories those intangible things that um i think that stay with you for life so for me it's just being able to be free on my own routine to help the people i want to meet the people i want and learn right i think learning is a big part of success because um you know once you're you know, when you're always curious and you have this desire to learn about the world, life is always great and you've got enthusiasm. And to me, that's success, right? You're, you're always curious about what's going on and happy. So yeah, for me, that's success. And who who's in your all-time musical starting five? And this can be groups or solo artists. They can be dead or alive. Who's in your starting five at this very moment? Oh man, that's a great question. That's a fantastic question. So I'm a big fan currently of um, The Weeknd, um, who is, yeah, he's an American artist. Mm-hmm. I love his music. I like his old music. He was, that that was really good. Um, I do have to say I'm a big fan of Post Malone as well. Post Malone is, is really good. Um, and then my third one, I don't know if I can reel off five. Uh, my third one, who would that be? Mm, that's a difficult one. I'm also a big fan of J. Cole as well. So I do like a bit of rap in there too. So yeah, I'd probably say those three would be my top three, man. Okay. And the next thing is um, pretend you got to say, let's see, where do you want to be? Let's say you're in Barcelona. Let's say you're in yeah. Barcelona, right? You're in Barcelona and you got three seats available to join you for a nice dinner out looking, looking to look in the water and what three people would you invite for a discussion? And this could be, they could be dead or alive, but it has to exclude family and friends. For sure. Oh, this is a fantastic question. So one of them will be Genghis Khan, 100%. Okay. Genghis Khan, I want to have a chat with him. I think he's he's very cool. Um, I would also say that someone like Cristiano Ronaldo, definitely. I'd love to know the stories of his life and, and all of that kind of stuff. Um, and... Uh, I guess the final one would be someone like Donald Trump. The reason being is I'd, I'd love to see what he's actually like in real life behind, you know, at like, you know, undressed without the cameras and, you know, without the bravado. I'd like to see what, what, what he's actually like. So, yeah, those would be my three. Three large personalities. Very much, yeah. But probably three large personalities, but probably a lot of substance behind it. Definitely, yeah. Kind, and I think of... leaders, right? Very, mm-hmm. very strong leaders in their field. Um that maybe people would say are arrogant or egotistical, um, maybe, but the very strong leaders that have substance to mm-hmm. them, yeah. But I, I think if if you are an entrepreneur or if or even just high up in corporate, you have to have some type of arrogance and swagger because it's really easy, yeah. it's really easy to bring you down when most of the world doesn't really share this same vision or ambition that you have. So you have to kind of be a little delusional and have some arrogance to you. 
I agree. Yeah, I do. I do think you have to have this tunnel vision sometimes, and you do have to block out, you know, the the, the normal life that's going on, and say, actually, this is my vision. This is what I want to do, and that may come across as arrogant, but um, that's not always the case, right? I think maybe that's just the way that other people perceive it. Yes. And so the next question is: someone taps you up on the shoulder, and they say, yep. Oliver, what are three things that I can do today to start becoming a superhuman entrepreneur? What would you tell them? Great. So the first one would definitely be sleep, right? You need to be able to sleep um, as long as you can, right? Uh, I know entrepreneurs, this is very difficult for you. So you, you know, sleeping is sleep is the biggest legal performance enhancing drug that you can take. So trying to get eight to nine hours sleep potentially will turn you into a superhuman. From a gym point of view, from a productivity and focus point of view, you'll be more present in your relationships too. So I definitely say sleep is a big one. The second one uh, would be to resistance training, right? Resistance training is important. I would also say train your glutes, right? So glutes are the most, un- yeah, the glutes are the most undertrained muscle for most people. And especially as an entrepreneur, you're probably sat down a lot. So making sure that you can train your glutes is going to help your overall posture, overall strength, and glutes are the largest muscle group that you can have. So, you know, when I see someone with big glutes, you know, even a guy, you have to respect that, right? You're like, he's- Salute them. You salute them, right? That's, <laughs> that, that's it, right? So build your glutes would be- um, the second one, and I think I think the third one is generally just managing your energy levels. I think that's mm-hmm. so important. So being able to look after things like stress. Uh, and Julian was actually very nice to feature um, some of his work in my ebook as well, the chapter on stress. So if you do grab yourself a copy, uh, you'll be able to see Julian's Julian's work there, which is great. Um, but yeah, find ways to manage stress. You know that's really important for energy levels, and um, have a routine that is advantageous towards your energy levels. So don't spend time working in the evening if you know that's the time you've got the least energy. You want to be working at the times you've got the most energy and optimizing for that. Awesome to hear. That's a great way to book in this conversation. Oliver, thank you so much for joining me. Where can listeners find out more about you and get this amazing book so they could have a body that's ready in time for summer? Sure. So thank you very much for having me on. You can find me. Um, my website is theworkercoach.com. Um, you can also find me on Twitter where I'm very active also on Instagram and my tag for both of those is at Ramoir. Um, and yeah, my book, um, busy professionals fitness handbook is available for purchase too on my website. Uh, and you'll see it linked on my social channels too. Awesome to hear. And he's definitely a worthy social media follow. He's way more entertaining and and interesting than I am on social. So (laughs) definitely should follow him. And so with that said, listeners out there, thank you so much. Stay awesome out there. Be limitless and go be superhuman. Peace.